Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Well, turn with me in Galatians uh, to Galatians chapter 5, and I want to... Uh, remind you of something that the Lord spoke to me back in October of last year, and it has become an assignment because I have not been released from this assignment. And I'm seeing now as we've walked through a year of what he said to me, um, how, how much it has helped us that we have been doing some of these things. He said to me in October 9th of last year, I was preparing for a service on a Sunday morning, and and just a few minutes before the service started, you know, I was praying and just getting my heart ready for to minister the word. And I heard the Lord; He he spoke a scripture to me from Joshua chapter three and verse four. And if you'll go ahead and put that up on the screen, but He brought that scripture to my understanding, and then He told me this. He said, "We are entering a season that will require the walk of faith." Another depth of skill in walking in the Spirit. Now let's read this verse. It says, Yet there shall be a space between you and it. It was referring to the Ark of the Covenant, which represents the presence of God. And he wasn't telling them to separate from the presence of God. He was telling them to keep themselves in a place where they could see how God was moving. To see the direction. And so he's telling them to pay attention to where the, the, the presence of the Lord was, was directing them. He said, it shall be about 2,000 cubits by measure. Come not near to it that you may know the way by which you must go. For you've not passed this way before. So he's saying there are some things that you're going to walk through that are going to be different. You haven't walked through them before. They're going to be things that you are, directions that God is taking you in and leading you in, and you're going to need to know the way that you need to go. And so he said to me on that day again, we're entering a season that will require the walk of faith. And then he gave me another definition for the walk of faith. He said, another depth of skill in walking in the spirit. So when you think about walking in the spirit, you think about, you know, walking uh, in tune with God. You think about walking out of the inner man and not yielding to the flesh. You think about there are more than one, more than one component. There's more than than just one element involved in walking in the spirit. It's it's an all-inclusive package here that includes being led by the Spirit and includes being spiritually developed to be able to understand uh, what the, 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 the wisdom of God would be in that situation. Uh, it, it includes not giving in to your flesh. And so we've, we've been talking. But then he gave me five specific things, and I've shared them with you before, but let's review them. Because faith comes by not having heard, right? It's hearing. It's present progressive, right? Hearing, hearing. If somebody's running, they're not sitting down, are they? 
that if they have run, you might see them sitting. But if they're currently running, you're going to see motion, right? And so hearing is constant hearing. And so this, which he said to me, began with, and I believe they're in a position of importance. He said, know the leading with a certainty. He didn't just say know how to be led by the Spirit. He said, I want you to know the leading of the Holy Spirit with a certainty so that there's not any hesitation where you've got to wait three days to see if that was God or not and try to figure it out because sometimes you'll end up getting more confused in that three days because you pull up a lot of reasoning and you look at all the hindrances that go along with it. He said, know the leading with a certainty. Then he said, practice obedience. Develop humility and the love walk. The fruit of the Spirit is vital. The trust in God, His ways, and His word are safeguards. I'll go through those again. Know the leading with the certainty. Practice obedience. You know, that's, that's going a step further than just being, don't disobey God. You can say don't disobey God, but that doesn't mean you're practicing obedience. You you can say, well, I haven't violated the word, but yeah, are you a doer of the word? Well, I haven't broken that commandment, but yeah, are are you looking for something you can do from the word? Do you see the difference in it? He said practice obedience. Develop humility. And the love walk. And we've taught on all of these. And again, the fruit of the Spirit is vital. Pastors spent weeks and weeks on teaching us peace. And not in just a way that affects our emotions, but a flow of a supernatural peace that will override the situation and the circumstance so that we can stay in a place where we can, we can receive from God. The fruit of the Spirit is vital. And then lastly, he said, the trust in God, His ways, and His Word, they are safeguards. You know, we need those safeguards so that we don't get off course, so that we don't find ourselves derailed, sidetracked, right? So trusting in God. All of those things take time to develop. None of them are something that you can just do on a whim and give a little bit of, of effort or attention to it and then say, wait, I got that. No, these are areas that bring a strength to us spiritually. And so uh, I want to look at Galatians chapter 5. As pastor has been teaching on the peace of God, he has also been here at this place. We're going to look at another aspect of the fruit of the Spirit today and our need to cultivate the love of God. So here in Galatians chapter 5, in verse 22 and 23, we see the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such, there is no law. In other words, if you will let these be the forces that guide your decisions, you won't violate the commands of God. If these are the, the, the motivators of your life, if these are the forces that are fueling every direction that you take, every decision that you make, every action, every reaction, 
If they are love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance in all of those activities, then you're not going to have to find yourself saying, Lord, forgive me, I shouldn't have done that. Why? Because everything that you did was coming out of the fruit, the forces of, of God in your spirit. These are all, you know, God has all of these. They're His, and He has shared them with us. Why? Because He's our Father, and we are His children. And so as His children, we have His character in us. It, we, we have His character just, odd, just deposited in us. We all have a choice to yield to that character or there was another list that we, we, we didn't read the other list, the work of the flesh. Those, those are also available, but I recommend that you avoid yielding to those <laughs> because none of them produce good for us. None of them produce stable lives. None of those behaviors or those attitudes or those responses are going to put you in a place where your life will be stable, your relationships, the, the works of the flesh deteriorate the things that you are trying to build up. Right. The works of the flesh weaken and tear down the things that you are reaching for in your life. And so because we have an option, we've got to learn how to yield to the spirit, to walk in the spirit and not to yield to the flesh. Isn't that what the, the emphasis of this text is in verse 16? He says, this I say then, walk in the spirit. Why is he saying that? Because he's warning them about biting and devouring one another, being critical of each other, being judgmental of each other, looking at each other negatively and, and, and talking about each other and, and, and gossiping. And he was identifying that those were works of the flesh in saved people, in people who love God. But they weren't loving him accurately because <laughs> you can't be critical of your brother or sister in Christ and love God accurately, right? Amen. So we've got to recognize that because we are children of God and God is love, we are children of love. And... To yield to love is the greatest maturity that we are going to experience. The more I yield to the love of God that is shed abroad in my heart, Romans chapter 5, verse 5, it says it is shed abroad. The love of God is, uh, the Weiss translation says, constantly being poured out. So I can never come to the place that say, I could not give you a soft answer. I could not give you a... No, I always have the ability to give a soft answer that turns away wrath. I have it. Even if I don't yield to it, I do have it. I will never stand before God and say, God, I just was out of love that day. I just did not have any. He's, no, you're, it, was, it was constantly being poured out in your heart. You just yielded to something else that day. Right? And so, because we are children of the light... We're going to walk in the light of God's love and we're going to let his love be our choice. 
So, you know, every day you could look at it this way. You remember when you took tests and they were like multiple choice tests and you had to fill in the blank or you, that had a little check mark or a dot next to it? And it would say, here is the question and it would give you three or four choices and you could just circ- uh, color in that circle. Well, every day you get options. You get choices. You know, and you pull on the interstate and that person won't let you over into your lane. And you're like, I'm trying to get on the interstate. And you're just like knowing I'm trying to get on the interstate. And there's plenty of room for you to get over into the left lane. But you're just going to hang out right here in the right lane. So that I can get on the interstate. And I've got to hit my brakes now that I finally got up to speed. Right? And you've, now you've got a choice. Which blank are you going to fill in? <laughs> Bless them, Lord. It says, bless those who despitefully use you or do you wrong, right? Bless them, Lord. Well, that takes practice. And the more that we practice yielding in, in every aspect of our life to the fruit of the Spirit, the maturity of our spirit will, will be uh, uh, strengthened. But if we refuse and we yield to the flesh, then what we're doing is we're empowering our flesh. And, and I, you may have heard me use this example before, but it bears repeating. There was a commercial years ago for a hefty trash bag. Y'all remember the hefty trash bag commercial? And they would show that weak little cheap, always save trash bag that was, that it was stuffed, you know, with, with cans and boxes and, and it always had spaghetti. Why do they always put spaghetti? Why? Because when the bag breaks, and the spaghetti gets all over the floor, it's not fun to clean that greasy red spaghetti out your carpet, right? And so they, they would show that cheap trash bag busting with the spaghetti and the pizza going all over the floor, and they would say, wimpy, wimpy, wimpy. And then say, what you need, what you need is the hefty trash bag. And they show that hefty, hefty, hefty. And it's like loaded and it's, it's bulging, but it's not breaking. Hefty, hefty, hefty. Right. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. The more you feed your spirit, your spirit becomes hefty, hefty, hefty. Amen. But if you constantly yield to the flesh, your spirit becomes wimpy, wimpy, wimpy. <laughs> and vice versa. If you, constantly, if you constantly deny the flesh and yield to the spirit, the flesh becomes wimpy, wimpy. I want my flesh being so wimpy that it sits back in the corner a little mousy, right? I'm not asking you what we're going to do today, flesh. No, 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 no. I'm not giving you a vote. You don't have a vote. And I'm sure not letting you in my driver's chair. You don't get to drive in my car. The, 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 the spiritual side of me is going to drive the car because I want to end up at the right place, right? I don't want to have, I don't want you wasting years and, and, and days of my life taking me down roads I don't want to be on. And then I got to work harder to find my way back to that spiritual flow of what God has for me. So how vital this is. Yes, we're saved. Yes, we're redeemed. Yes, we're given authority in Jesus' name. Yes, we have the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, in our mouths. And so because of that, we've got to walk in the Spirit 
And we've got to recognize that yielding to the flesh causes spiritual weakness. It deteriorates the things that God is trying to establish in us for good. And it causes us to be open prey for the enemy. Carnality isn't isn't sin necessarily, but it will it will lead that leave that person vulnerable to the temptations. Because if your spirit is weak, how are you going to resist? Right? The, and so a lot of times people who are once walking with God and they're very strong, they start thinking everything's okay and they let up on some of the things that were, were, were bringing strength into their life and they begin to yield more and more over here to just, just lay down some of the spiritual disciplines and lay down some of the, the spiritual activity, not realizing that spiritual activity of Wednesday night service. That spiritual activity of Sunday night in church, uh, fellowshipping together, was providing something. But, you know, I'm okay. And you, you, you're working, and, and the people at your job, they don't go on Wednesday night. They don't go on Sunday night. I can make it just with Sundays only, not according to Scripture. It says, as you see the day approaching, what does it say? What does it say? It, you know, audience participation is welcome. What does it say? As you see the day approaching, what are we supposed to do? Forsake. Not the assembling. We're supposed to assemble. Hallelujah. That's light. But what, see, my spiritual reaction then is to yield to the light. A flesh reaction is, it don't take all that. I'm okay. Well, if, if God knew we were okay with less, why would he say, forsake not the assembling? Amen. I'm smiling. I'm just making, making, as your pastor, what I know we need is not less time in the Word. It's more time in the Word. Well, there are so many things trying to drain your spiritual energy. There are so many things that want your attention, so many things that are trying to plant wrong seeds, and we need the washing of the water of the Word more today than we did 10 years ago, than we did 20 years ago. Why? We need our spiritual disciplines to remain intact. Praise God. So walking in the Spirit, this depth of skill in walking in the Spirit is directly connected to yielding to these, this list of what is called the fruit of the Spirit. So if I'm walking in the Spirit, you can identify by the action of love, by the meekness, by the temperance, by the long-suffering, by the peace of God that's operating in my life. If I am distraught, and tore up from the floor up, and everybody's going to always have them trying to pick me up off the ground, what do they know about me? They know that I'm not walking in the Spirit, because if I'm walking in the Spirit, you're going to find fruit on my tree that looks like this list in 22 and 23 of Galatians 5. Hallelujah. And I'm not telling you to investigate anybody else's fruit. I'm telling you, look at your own tree and find out how much love is in my life. Amen. Do I have love operating? I'm talking about the love of God in my marriage. 
If the love of God is not dominant in my marriage, if the romantic love is all my marriage is being held together by, then it's not established on solid ground. Amen. You know, there are different kinds of loves. There's eros, which is romantic love. There's storge, which is familial love. There's phileo, which is brotherly love. But the love of God is the agape that is not comparative to any of those. It is, it is who the essence of who God is. God is agape. God is love. And it's an unconditional, supernatural force of the spirit that goes beyond emotions And we're supposed to have that dominating our marriage. If marriage isn't isn't flowing with that, then all that's holding it together is either the friendship kind of love or the eros kind of love, the romantic love. And those those are, are limited. All of those find a limit, but agape has no limits. Agape is not limited by how that other person is treating you. Agape is not walking around with the attitude and the snapping of the fingers and saying, oh, no, you don't, right? So if I'm, and agape is something I have to develop in. Just because it's shed abroad in my heart doesn't mean I'm developed in operating it. Just because you have a a smartphone doesn't mean you know how to do all the stuff it can do. You got to work on it, right? You got to figure it out. And just because the love of God is available doesn't mean that we're yielding to it the way that we should or that we're putting it to work in the places because a lot of times because we've been trained to yield to the flesh before Christ, we've spent years and years and years yielding to what our flesh wanted to do. Now we're walking in a different, a different capacity We have something available we didn't have then. I didn't have the love of God in my first marriage. I didn't know God. He wasn't a part of my life and he wasn't a part of the marriage that I was in. I didn't, and and, and when, when situations would arise, I reacted with self preservation, I reacted with, with the flesh. But I moved into the kingdom of God accepted Jesus Christ as Lord, and I began walking with him. And now I was married to a man who was also walking with the Lord, and I had to learn that I can't disagree the way I disagreed before because I'm a new creature, and the flesh reaction doesn't work for me. It, it, it deteriorated the relationship. It weakened the relationship. Remember what I said, yielding to the flesh deteriorates the things that God's trying to make stable in your life. It weakens them. And every time I would yield to my flesh in, in saying things I shouldn't have said, running my mouth, following him around the house till I got the last word in, you know, disagreeing without um, restraint, disagreeing and pulling up all those things I was supposed to have forgiven him for, Amen. right? Well, you did this. I thought you forgave me for that. Well, I'm bringing it back. I'm pulling it back into the game, right? Uh, all of that flesh response weakened what God was trying to establish in my life. And so I had to learn how to yield to the fruit of the Spirit, even in a difficult situation, even in a time of disagreement. You can be spiritual and disagree spiritually 
and, and love each other the whole time. You don't have to experience the anger that makes you want to leave the room. You don't have to experience the kind of... All of those things are coming from a part of you that needs to be wimpy. It needs to be starved. Amen. The flesh. You got to starve the flesh so that it, it's back there going, I, I cannot say No, you cannot say anything. I'm not talking. You're not talking. I'm going to yield to my spirit. And so we have to develop you see what I'm saying? We have to develop the love. We have to always look for the love option on the, on the answer. Where, here's the question. Here's my options. How can I respond in love in this moment? And you've heard me say this before. I had read Gloria Copeland's book. And she said her and Brother Kenneth were disagreeing one day. And she said, uh, he said that she looked at him and said, Kenneth, he thought they were going to keep arguing. You know, he was ready to fight. He was going to, and she, she said, Kenneth, I will find a way to be a blessing to you. And I thought, I need that bullet right there. I'm going to have a soft answer that turns away wrath. And so I found myself in the next month in a, a disagreement. This was years ago, a disagreement with pastor. And when we started fighting, he wouldn't quit until I told him he was right and I wasn't going to do it. Does he see where my problem? We were both yielding to how our flesh wanted to respond in that situation. So we were arguing through the house and I, and the Lord, right, the Holy Spirit was reminding me, hey, do what Gloria did, do what Gloria did. And I, I resisted for a minute and I kept the argument going I, with my last word, you know, getting my smart quip in there, you know, you know, throwing in that, the lash of the tongue he was arguing with, with me one day. He was saying, I'm going to do this. I'm not going to do it. And, 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 and I just was, I was walking away. I was like, promises, promises to change, broken promises. I was, so, I was just so sassy. I was sassy. It was just like, he, even if he was trying to, you know, fix it, I was, I was just, just sassy. And I would just throw more wood on the fire. And so, yeah, that didn't help. Promises to change broken promises. <laughs> it didn't help. <laughs> Deterioration was occurring. Weakening of the relationship was occurring. But this day, the Holy Spirit brought that back to me. And he said, Gloria Copeland did it. You can do it you've got the equipment, you got to say, and, and he was prompting me. It was just so, he was right there. In the middle of my argument, he, the peacemaker was talking to me. And he said, you need to give a soft answer. And I did. I think I said something similar to what Sister Gloria had said. I, I'm going to find a way to show you that I love you. And it, it took all the, the fire away from the fight. It took all the fire away. And at the same time, the Lord was dealing with pastor because pastor had an issue with anger. And when we first got married and we had our first disagreement, I locked myself in the bathroom and he got down on his hands and knees and yelled at me under the door because I wouldn't come out because then my, my late husband had beat me and I thought that when we get to a certain volume, fists fly. So I went and locked myself in the bathroom and, but he would never have hit me. He just got louder and louder the more he was trying to convince me that I was wrong. And so the Lord said to him, 
A city with a, a, a man who can't control his anger is like a city without walls. You're unprotected and the enemy's getting in. And he took that scripture and began to work that scripture. And then he began to study that scripture that said how... Um, now, see, the Word will help you respond out of the forces of the Spirit. You want to walk in the Spirit, the Word is your help. Because these scriptures, God gave us these scriptures, a soft answer turns away wrath. Uh, a man who can't control his anger is like a city without walls. And then he gave him uh, about how Christ loved the church and washed her in the Word. And so we were having an argument one day. Aren't y'all blessed that y'all get to benefit from what we learned the hard way? We were having an argument one day, and uh, I was pouting. It was during a time I, I got really skilled in pouting, and it would, we, we refer to it as the ice age because I would scowl at him. I would, make, I would scowl at him, and I'd like, when I, I, would, I would make his dinner, but it, I'd put it down on the place in front of him like bold, you know, here's your dinner. Throw the fork. Hope it doesn't stab him in the stomach or something, you know. It was, I was, I was pouting. And so I had went to the other room to pout and he followed me in the other room. And I'm, like, and I'm trying to go to the other room. Every time he comes in, I finally just get up and I go to the other room. And so he got down on his knees. I'm like, stop that. <laughs> he got down on his knees and, and he was trying to take me by the hands Help me up when I'm done. <laughs> he's trying to, and I'm pulling my hands away. I'm pulling my hands away. And he's like, no, no, forgive me. Forgive me. Forgive me. And he's looking at me so earnestly. Forgive me. And I finally said, but it's my fault. <laughs> I knew it the whole time. I knew the whole time it was my fault. And I'm pouting. And he's, on, he's taking the low road. He's humbling himself for the sake of our marriage. He said, I don't care whose fault it is. I don't care whose fault it is. Talk about taking the fire out of the fight. The moment that he began, I mean, he was sincere. I don't care whose fault it is. My marriage is more important than being right. Oh, my goodness. I grew up that day. Yeah. I grew that day. Because not only did I see in demonstration the love of God, but I also recognized my heart was safe with Him. Up until that moment, I was trying to protect my heart from being broken. And love doesn't do that. You cannot walk, yield to the love of God and self-preserve. Why? Because love takes no account of a suffered wrong. Why? I'm trusting God. I'm loving because of who God is in me. And the relationship of marriage is designed to operate with the agape love at the core. And without the agape love at the core, there are limits in the relationship. Limits of trust. Limits of, of, of openness limits of, of being able to grow in that relationship. But when the love of God became every time, and I had to learn when we got into those moments, yield to the love of God. Let it go. Let it go. It, it's not holding on. Sometimes we hold on to things that aren't worth holding on to. We hold on to a fighter. We hold on to an opinion. And you know what? It really doesn't matter. 
And, and some people say, well, you know, you just grew up a little bit. Uh, there are a lot of people older than me in age that haven't grown to that place in their spirit. It's not, it's not an age thing. It's a spiritual maturity to recognize what's valuable. God calls our marriage holy. Amen. Hallelujah. And so I'm using marriage as an example, but this applies in any area that you have to relate to people. On the job, the love of God, the peace of God, the fruit of the Spirit is going to pr- provide the stability in that in that work environment. Even if other people aren't saved and aren't operating in it, if if I will yield to the flows of the Spirit, God can always protect me and He can always promote me. Even if other people aren't walking with Him, I need to keep myself in a place where I am acting like God would act in that situation. I'm yielding to His character in me. And then he can always help me if I need help in that situation and protect me from people who may have wrong intent. But if I get over their flesh to their flesh, then, then I've just limited God from working in that situation. If I respond to the criticism on the job by going around and being critical back on somebody else, you know, I heard they were saying this about me. And so I go and say, can you believe they said that about me? Well, let me tell you what they did. Well, then I've just entered into a place where the, I, I'm hindering the, the ability of God to help me. Amen. So flowing in the forces of love are necessary for every area of our life. Let's look at 2 Peter 1 and verses 3 and 4. And I, I'm going to go amplified here. 2 Peter 1, 3. For His divine power has bestowed upon us All things, talking about believers, when you got saved, this came into your being. His divine power has bestowed upon us all things that are requisite, or we could say required, and suited to life and godliness. Now, often we'll, in the King James, we'll use that. God has given us all things that pertain unto life. And godliness. And sometimes the godliness part takes a a backseat to all the things you need in life. And, And absolutely, this includes all of the natural resources and physical supplies that you are going to need in your life. God has given you access to the blessing so that the blessing will provide financially the blessing will will provide the material things that we need we've never seen the the righteous forsaken or their seed begging bread this definitely can be applied in that area but it's not limited to that he has given us all things that are necessary for our life so the love you need for your marriage he's provided it The peace that you need to walk through difficult times, He's provided that. That it'll protect your heart and your mind regardless of the situation or the circumstance. You can can stay in peace that causes other people to question, how did you do that? It was the peace of God. It passes all understanding. It guards my heart. It guards my mind. He has given us all things that are required for life. And we, we just read through some of the most important things that are required for our life. The love of God, the joy of the Lord, the peace, the meekness, the temperance, the faith. All of those forces 
are necessary for our lives to be the lives that God has designed for us and for the godliness. And as I said, a lot of times that one doesn't get the emphasis, but God included it. So we need to include it, right? We need to emphasize it. The things we need to live godly lives are available to us because his divine power has already bestowed them on us. We can walk in love. Say it with me. I can walk in love. I'll say it again. Doesn't it feel good? I can walk in love. Why? Because he's given it to me. It's required for godliness. It needs to be important to me because it is already important to God. So it says this has been already provided through the full personal knowledge of him who called us. So the more I know about Jesus and what he has provided in redemption, this is my link to unlock it. You know, if if they say, I'm going to send you this document, here's the link, click on the link. Well, the knowledge of, of Jesus and what he's done and provided is the link to understand how you can walk in love. It's the link because you're in Christ. When you click on the link, you begin to find out, wait a minute, I'm not limited to my own natural responses. I have the help of the love of God. I I can love them with God's love. I've shared this example before, but I'll share it again. There was a woman, her name is Corey Tinboom. She was a survivor of the Holocaust Nazi tri- uh, concentration camps. Her entire family died in the concentration camps. Her older sister was in one of the same camps that she was in. And during that time in the camp before she died, there was a certain guard who delighted in torturing her sister. He would put heavy loads on her and beat her and, and just made her life so unbearable and hard, forcing extra work, taking food rations away. It was, it was horrible for Corey to have to watch what this man did to her sister and how he thrived and delighted and enjoyed so much the pain that he put her sister through. Her sister ended up contracting a disease uh, like an, uh, a lung infection or, uh, uh, and, and passing. And she died uh, in the concentration camp. And then a few years later, within uh, maybe a year or so, uh, the, after the release, uh, the, the allies won, the people were all released from the concentration camps. Here, Corey Ten Boom goes into the ministry and she's going around to different places, teaching the Bible, teaching, telling her testimony. And she comes back to a certain area in the region of where that was. And she's talking about the love of God. And she teaches her lesson that day. And after the church service, a man walks up and he puts his hand out to her. And she recognized it was the guard from the concentration camp. And he said, I'm so glad for all line to hear you talk about the love of God because I have accepted Jesus as my Savior. And now I am your brother in Christ. 
And every inch of her being, every ounce of who she was was saying, I cannot forgive this man for what he did to my sister. All the images flashing in her mind of the times that he tortured her sister, that he beat her, that he left her wounded and weak and frail in her bed, that he starved her. And she thought, how can I forgive this man? And he's standing there still with his eyes you know, thinking she just preached about the love of God. I'm a believer now. His hand is out. It's saying, I'm your brother in Christ. And she's having this argument in her head. I can't do this, Lord. I can't do it. But she yielded. She said, Lord, I can't do it with me. But I'm going to take your love in me. And I'm going to yield to your love in me right now. And she said the moment she put her hand out and took that man by the hand, the love of God rushed into place and she forgave him. The yielding, she chose that option. She knew the option was there and in that moment, she could have chosen to resist that temptation to love and yield to all of those memories and all of that self-preservation mechanism and all of the pain that she remembered from that man. But in that moment, she didn't choose that option. She chose to love him. And when she did, the love fell into place. And so that's what often we wait for. We wait for it to fall into place. We want, I want to feel it first. No, you've got to yield first. And then, then the, the, the sensation or the feeling or the confirmation, but it's your choice. And God's not going to make that choice for us. We have to choose it. We have to yield to the love of God. It is available. Now we've got light. We know the love is available. In 2 Peter, continuing on down, let's look at verse 5. It says, For this very reason, adding your diligence. That's something that we need to do, isn't it? Adding your diligence. I'm still in the Amplified. To the divine promises. So he's given us these promises and this power to, for all things that we need to, for life to make all the right answers it is possible that you never walk in the flesh another day in your life. How about that? It's possible. Why don't we opt for that? Why don't we just set that as the high watermark? I am never going to yield to my flesh. If we at least make that our objective, even if we miss it, we can, we can get up, dust our clothes off and say, okay, I did that, but I'm not doing it tomorrow. You can go all day long today and not yield to your flesh. Just walk in the Spirit all day long. Yield to the forces of God alive in you. The Holy Spirit, He will help you. Invite Him. Help me walk in the Spirit. Help me resist the urges of my flesh that will weaken and deteriorate the things in my life. Help me to yield always to the love, to the joy. You know, joy isn't going to come on us uninvited. We yield to joy. We, we pump, we, we, we with, the, with the, it says it's a, a bucket of joy. You could, with joy, you could draw water out of the well. 
How do you do that? Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoicing is a choice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. It's an instruction in the New Testament, but it's from our part. It's a choice. In any situation, no matter how bad it looks, you can always find something to be thankful for. You can always yield to gratitude. You can always yield to joy even in a situation that, that looks dire, that looks difficult. Yeah. Hallelujah. But we have to choose it. We have to yield to joy. So he says that we've got to add our diligence. For this very reason, adding your diligence to the divine promises... Employ every effort in exercising your faith to develop virtue, excellence, resolution, Christian energy. And in exercising virtue, develop knowledge. Talking about spiritual knowledge, finding out from the Word of God. So adding your diligence, employing exercising your faith to develop. So we're, we're talking about, I'm going to take the word and I'm going to use the word to build my faith to develop my Christian strength, my strength as a believer. Just like the examples I gave you, I took a soft answer that turns away wrath and I had to, I had to act on it. I had to hear it. Faith came and then by faith I acted on it. And you know what? It worked. It was the best resolution I'd ever had in an argument, ever. That, that was like, I've never had an argument turn out so good. Before that, all the arguments just, just ended up, it took days to recover from them. That was the first argument that it was over, and we could have dinner and eat and digest our food without a lot of anxiety. Y'all ever just trying to, you can't even eat because you're so mad it doesn't even taste good? And then it just sits on your stomach like a rock because you ate it while you were anxious and, and, and all mad. We, the argument was over. Dinner was great. And we slept without having to, to one of us try to be on each side of the bed. Don't touch me. Hallelujah. How did it happen? I yielded to my, yielded to the Spirit. I took the Word. See, we've got to employ the, our faith. So faith comes by hearing. So you've got to get the Word in you. Then that Word will help you respond out of your spirit and yield to the love of God that is in your heart. Verse 6, it says, exercising knowledge. I know that's a word that sometimes we don't want to hear this exercising. There's a lot of exercising in this amplified version. It says exercising and develop. Exercising and develop. Do you see that? Exercising and develop. Look at that in that verse. It's in there. Let's see. Exercise. One, two, three times. Develop. Develop. Uh, develop three times. So we've got, we've got spiritual exercising. It says exercising knowledge, develop self-control, exercising self-control, develop steadfastness, exercising steadfastness, develop godliness. So each of them lead to another. And that's what pastor's been saying in this teaching on peace. He said, they're all connected. When you begin to, to work in the, the flows of the spirit of God, they, they're supposed to all work in, in conjunction with each other, connecting and helping and supplying with each other. 
Verse 7, in exercising godliness, develop brotherly affection. And in exercising brotherly affection, develop Christian love. For as these qualities are yours and increasingly abound in you. That's our objective. That's our objective. These are available to me. He's already given me all of these things that I can live a godly life. The character of God lived out in every response I have. But I've got to develop and exercise them so that they are mine, that they're working in me, and that they are increasingly abounding. When that happens, they will keep you from being idle or unfruitful unto the full personal knowledge of our Lord Jesus. So as I grow in each of these, as I develop and exercise and yield to the flows and the forces of the Spirit, I'm going to see the fruitfulness in my marriage. I'm going to see the fruitfulness in my finances. I'm going to see the fruitfulness in my relationship with my children, with my relationship on the job. I'm going to see the fruitfulness in every area of my life. You can't be skilled in these and, and, and fall flat on your face in life. Amen. You, no, if you will become skilled in these, they will cause your life to flourish. The fruit of the Spirit abounding in our lives will cause our relationships and our lives and every aspect of our life to be strong. Praise God. Then it goes on in verse 10 and says, Because of this, brethren, be all the more solicitous and eager to make sure, to ratify, to strengthen, to make steadfast your calling and your election. For if you do this, you will never stumble or fall. For thus there will be richly and abundantly provided for you entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. The stability that we need is connected to the growth of the fruit of the Spirit in our life. Amen. The stability you're desiring for your life is connected right here to the fruit. The fruit makes us stable. The fruit of the Spirit makes our, our, our lives, all of it, every aspect, stable. Hallelujah. We won't stumble. We won't fall. Hallelujah. So, love is listed first. And love, like all the other aspects of the fruit of the Spirit, it must be cultivated and when we talk about cultivating, it makes you think of a farmer or a gardener. Someone who, you know, when, um, when you go through a, a beautiful uh, garden that has been maybe planted on a nice hotel or they have a, a wedding venue or different places that they have taken the time and they've gone through and they've planted rose bushes and, and azaleas and all, all different types of it, that didn't just happen. They didn't scatter some seeds and come out every once in a while and pull a weed or two. They cultivated that. They cultivated it. When you see farmers who have, have a rich return on their farms, that didn't just happen because they went out there one day, planted, and then just disregarded it and, and just came back one day and, wow, there's a harvest there. No, they cultivated it. And we've got to look at this aspect of our life because he said the fruit of the Spirit is vital to us. This is our lives. We've got to cultivate it. And so that means that we need to get up every day recognizing I've got homework 
to do. I've got, I've got an application of the word in my life. And so we are doers of the word. And one of the most important things for us to be skilled as being doers of the word is to walk in love, to, to cultivate this love. And a lot of times, and I'll tell you from my personal experience, I tried to get good at loving other people, but I found out I was missing something. I wasn't yet established in how much God loved me. And when I recognized that I'm having a hard time loving other people, God began to show me that he was having a hard time loving, getting his love through to me. He said, yeah, because you won't even let me love you. How can you expect to love other people right when you're not receiving my love for you right? Amen. And when I began to, one of the things that happened was recognizing the love of the Father because I had, had such a difficult relationship with my father. My parents had divorced when I was younger and, and, I, and my memories of my father were seeing him drunk or hearing him and my mom fight. And so our relationship was very uh, limited. And then even when he remarried and I came to live with them for a while, he was always gone traveling. So I was more probably with my stepmom than with him. And, and so when I came to God... I wasn't interested in a father. I, I, Jesus, he's my savior. Hey, Jesus died on the cross for me. Jesus shed his blood for me. I'm, I'm, I'm convinced Jesus loves me. This I know. You know, I, I can see it in what he did for me. And then I came to that scripture that said, I've come to show you the father. We were singing about his love today. Everything he did was because of God. Jesus came and died so that we could see God's love, not Jesus' love. But I was, I was okay with accepting Jesus as my Savior, but when I would come across scriptures of God as my Father, I almost just ignored them. It was like I brick-walled the Father. I'm like, I don't know about that. Because I didn't know how to love a father. I, I was like a lot of you. Didn't, my relationship with my father was, was non-existent or bad. And so the loving of the Father, it was hard for me to accept his love for me. But when I did, it changed everything about my spiritual walk. Everything that I was having a hard time doing, it wasn't hard anymore when I accepted the love of the Father. And I'll never forget it. It was a night. We still had two sections here, and there was an open aisle down here. And the presence of God was so strong. It was a service where God had just ministered to us. The word had been preached. The power of God had been flowing. We'd been worshiping. And Max Maples was still here. And, and, and God had Max Maples come up and give me a big hug. And it was like he was showing me the love of the Father. That was the night that I had said, Lord... I accept the love of the Father. And he had Max Maples, who was a fatherly figure, come and just put his arms around me. And all of that hardness in my heart about accepting God's love, it just broke. I yielded and let God love me. So I encourage you today. We're going to look in these last few minutes that we have. I encourage you to first establish the love that God has for you. And it didn't come to me through that feeling. It came to me before through the scripture. 
I began to see it in the word. And when I saw it in the word and I saw God's love for me and I began to recognize that I needed to accept his love for me and, and have faith in his love for me, that's when I embraced and yielded to it. So the word of God is what's going to help you establish it. You can't, you can't establish it outside of the word because you can't even see it. Outside, you can't see the love of God without the word of God illuminating it to you. Amen. But when you'll take the word, the spiritual light for you to see the love of God is brought into your heart. So, so this is where we need to look. Let's look at, first of all, 1 John 5 and verse 2. By this we know, actually let's go back to verse 1 so we know what by this is talking about. Whosoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loves him that begat, so we're, now we're talking about the Father because he's the one who begat Jesus. Every, give me the amplified because we don't use the word begat ever unless, unless we're in the Bible. I don't say, hey... I, this child was begat by me. <laughs> I don't use it. So let's, let's go over here. Everyone who believes, adheres to, trusts, and relies on the fact that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, is a born-again child of God. And everyone who loves the Father also loves the one born of Him, His offspring. So when you accept Jesus as Lord, the ability to accept the love of the Father is already resident in you. You've just got to yield. You've just got to recognize and acknowledge, I accept Jesus as my Lord, and what he did for me was because of God. God, God asked him to do it, and he willingly did it to, in obedience to the Father. But he did it because God loves me. So the cross is God's love for me. Jesus' blood being shed for the payment for my sin, that's God's love demonstrated. Hallelujah. And I began to see every different aspect of what Jesus accomplished in redemption was all a piece or a demonstration or an expression of God's love for me. God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. He gave his son. It says, if he freely gave him, how much more will he not freely give us? The other things that we need in life. Well, he's talking about the love of God. So it says, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. So we see God's love for us in what Jesus did, but then in turn we respond to his love for us by being doers of his word, by keeping his commandments. When we love God, we obey his commands. We keep his ordinances. We're mindful of his precepts. We love God. By this we know. 1 John 4, back up to chapter 4 and look, look at verse 11. 
Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwells in us and his love is perfected in us. Hallelujah. So loving God, accepting that love by seeing in the scripture, seeing the demonstration, the expression of his love through the salvation he made available in Jesus. We accept Jesus. The love of God is now shed abroad in our heart. Romans 5, 5. That love is now available to me every day. And now I develop and I cultivate that love by being a doer of the word, keeping his commandments, and by loving others. If we love one another, God dwells in us. And what happens to that? His love is perfected. Now the word perfected is a word that means to develop to the point of completion or mature. When we look at a baby, which today I hope I get to hold the baby. I haven't got to hold the baby yet. Bring me that baby. Just wait. Today. But that baby has everything it's going to need as an adult. It has the organs that it's going to need. It has the bones that it's going to need. Yet those bones aren't developed. As that child feeds on the milk... The bones develop and one day they'll set him up and he will take his first steps. Hallelujah. Why? Because his development will come to a stage where his mobility changes, where his abilities progress. And the more that we feed on the Word of God and the more that we practice doing the Word of God, that love is cultivated in us. It's perfected in us. It's developed in us. It comes to a place of maturity. Hallelujah. And that maturity is what we need for our life. I'm going to press pause. We'll have to come back because I, I didn't even get halfway through what I was going to get to because we, we covered, we, we're, we're, we're plowing the ground. Amen. 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 Did you get something out of that today? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Something you can take home and apply to your life? Hallelujah. Let's just with every head bowed, if you would, please just take this moment and say this with me. Father, I desire... To grow, to cultivate the love of God and every aspect of your character in my life. Help me, Lord, to increase my attention to your word and to yield to the fruit of the Spirit that is in my heart. In Jesus' name. I just want to pray over you today. If you'll just lift your hands and receive, I'm going to speak a blessing over your lives. Father, your word has strengthened us today. And as a church family, Father, we desire to be a congregation of believers bringing glory to your name, growing and strengthening our families and our lives in your word and in the flow of your spirit. Lord, I just pray over every marriage represented here in this church family. I pray for the love of God to become the dominant force flowing freely and unhindered in the lives of of every spouse. Father, that that love would flow not only through the husband and the wife, but through 
the mother and the father to their children. Father, that families would be strengthened in the love of God. Father, that your joy, your peace, your stabilizing forces would be established in the hearts of your people. Father, that we would trust in you in a way more determined, more committed than we have in days past. That, Father, we would look to you first and not second or third down the line. Father, that we would verbally declare in the situation, I believe God. I believe God. Let faith arise in the hearts of your people. In Jesus' name.